This is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Ag Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coon, and we'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman as well. The weather turned windy and colder overnight. Gusty north winds of 20 to all the way up to 45 miles per hour are being seen in some areas. Temps also falling through the day today. It should uh, start to warm up again tomorrow. By Saturday, upper 30s, low 40s are a possibility in the region. University of Minnesota grain marketing economist Ed Usset says we've seen a second golden age of American agriculture. The first golden age of agriculture, and you can Google it, you'll read about it, it was the decade leading up to and during World War I. And it was caused by World War I, which was trench warfare in the grain in France and also the Russian Revolution, how that may have upset things a few years later. The second golden age, I believe, 2007 to 2014, and by the way, it's the second golden age because I dubbed it the second golden age. And I believe that was driven primarily by the rapid demand growth in the world of corn driven by ethanol. Usset says stars may be aligned to do it again in the coming years with the increased soybean crushing capacity, biodiesel demand, and the war in Ukraine. We are on the cusp of rapid demand growth for soybeans driven by an incredible expansion in soy crushing capacity in this country. And by the way, we have a war in Ukraine, which is a major grain producer and exporter in this world. We have both elements from those first two golden ages, and we're on the cusp of that. Strap in. It could be an interesting few years ahead. The North Dakota Senate Judiciary Committee approved legislation banning a foreign adversary from owning land in the state. State Senator Bob Paulson, who lives in Minot, introduced the bill. Paulson said this proposal was prompted by the proposed Fufang Corn Wet Milling Project in Grand Forks. Center for Security Policy State Outreach Director Christopher Holton came from Washington, D.C. to testify. China has been particularly active in the last 10 years in attempting to acquire land in the U.S. From 2010 to 2020, Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland increased from $81 million to $1.8 billion, including land in North Dakota, Texas, North Carolina, Missouri, Florida, Utah, Virginia, Colorado, and Oklahoma. Food security is national security. If Americans don't act, China will. The issue of foreign ownership of farmland also being heard in the South Dakota House Ag Committee later this morning. Push for animal agriculture was discussed yesterday at the annual North Dakota Livestock Summit. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. South Dakota Retailers Association Executive Director Nathan Sanderson says the uptake of animal agriculture in South Dakota will probably migrate to the north. Well, in South Dakota, we saw a renaissance of livestock development really starting in the early 20-teens. We changed our approach to the way that we interacted with local governments. We brought a lot of stakeholders together, and we reversed the downward trend of livestock development in South Dakota. And I think North Dakota has the opportunity to do a similar kind of thing in the decade ahead as more and more individuals have conversations with people about the advantages of livestock. That was the one deciding factor, I think, in South Dakota that led to a tremendous turnaround and that was to show local leaders how having livestock has long-term benefits for their communities. 
The potential for growth stems along the I-29 corridor. Sanderson says despite the eastern portion of North Dakota boasting fertile farmland, the potential in livestock expansion is just as profitable. Well, I think there's no question that there's fertile farmland on the eastern side of South and North Dakota. That's also, and it's not happenstance, the place where there are a lot of livestock operations. There's a lot of swine barns. There's a lot of dairies in eastern South Dakota. And I think that you can really develop a pretty symbiotic relationship there. You know, if you're growing corn and you're going to feed it to a dairy cow or you're going to feed it to a hog, then the nutrients that come out of that cow or that hog go back onto the farm and make it more productive, while you're also adding dollars to the economy through chores, through the feed that you're purchasing, through the byproducts, milk, pork, that come from those animals. It really is a value proposition. Reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. U.S. beef exports broke new records for volume and value in 2022. Exports totaled nearly 1.5 million metric ton, up 2% from the previous high in 2021. Export value climbed to $11.6 billion. That's up 10%. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The second leg of the best of the best in wheat and soybean research takes place today in Moorhead. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman was in the Grand Forks meeting yesterday. Bacterial leaf streak in wheat can impact yields on wheat across the northern plains. NDSU plant pathologist Dr. Andrew Friskop says he focuses on this disease in research because right now there are limited tools to manage the disease. The ones that I'm most worried about is where we have a lack of management tools or very limited ones. And when I speak about bacterial leaf streak, that's the one disease that's been fitting that criteria where we don't have a lot of management tools and we have a lot of susceptible varieties that are being grown. So we got to start actively managing it now. It's a disease we can't spray our way out of it. So it, it changes our idea that our management tool is when we put that seed in the ground. We rely everything on that genetics. Uh, my message this winter is we have spring wheat variety guides available at NDSU and I say five or less. And that's when I really start to see the breakdown of yield loss occurring. When we're looking into the future, host resistance followed by host resistance followed by host resistance. Most years weather in the upper Midwest seems to favor conditions that are ideal for bacterial leaf streak growth. We conduct surveys every year. Um, we're able to find, at least in North Dakota, we can find it on the western edge all the way to the eastern edge. And if you trickle into Minnesota, it's the same story. So we know it's a very big wheat disease. Uh, things that drive it, uh, favorable conditions, high humidity, warm temperatures, rainstorms, basically anything that you want to describe a uh, northern Minnesota or northern North Dakota weather, right? So it's just one of those things that's going to be around. We know it's here. It's not going away. We've had droughts in 17 and 21. Guess what? Next year, it still came back, right? So it's just uh, the idea is that, yes, weather influences it, but it doesn't, doesn't completely get rid of the problem either. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. USDA increased U.S. soybean ending stocks by 15 million bushels in the February supply-demand report. That reflects a 15 million bushel decline in the soybean crush. The Ag Department raised the average farm gate price by a dime to 14.30 per bushel, USDA trimmed global soybean stocks by 1.5 million metric ton, 
leaving Brazil's production unchanged. Argentina's production was lowered by 4.5 million metric tons. USDA raised corn ending stocks by 25 million bushels to 1.3 billion. Production estimates left unchanged, but ethanol usage was lowered by 25 million bushels. Average farm gate price unchanged at $6.70 a bushel. USDA lowered global corn ending stocks slightly, uh, slightly more than 1 million metric tons to 295.3 million. Brazil's corn production unchanged. Argentina's production lowered by 5 million tons. USDA increased U.S. wheat carryout by 1 million bushels to 568 billion, uh, million bushels in February. The U.S. wheat exports were left unchanged. They lowered the average farm gate price by a dime to 9 bucks a bushel. Global wheat production was raised to 2.5 million metric ton. Uh, world ending stocks are up slightly to 269.3 million metric ton. Corn Belt Marketing Market Analyst Sam Hudson says traders will begin to focus now on the Ag Outlook Forum acreage and now that the February supply demand report is behind us. That'll be the next thing and, and keep in mind you know don't don't uh, take those numbers home and, and write them down too hard at least not in ink anyways because a lot of those are survey based from back in November uh, and a lot is going to change between November and spring let me tell you especially out west if places get rain uh, you know the difference between going with corn or soybeans uh, could be quite large. And so, uh, yeah, I really think our next really big number is going to be that acreage number at the end of March. Hudson's expected to see all crops compete for acres. Well, yeah, and you got to throw cotton into the mix as well. And I think that's where you start to get, uh, you know, some wider variations and expectations here for this spring. Um, you know, could you see, you know, corn acres, you know, 92, 93 million acres? I think that's possible. But I don't know if we're going to advertise a number like that uh, here in March personally. I think if we're going to see that, uh, it's more of a June number. And I really think you could, uh, you know, see a hop up in bean acres in the June number as well, uh, depending on, on what kind of, uh, you know, abandonment we see in wheat. Following the State of the Union address, members of the Biden administration hit the road to broaden that message. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack was in North Carolina to promote climate smart agriculture. Vilsack said it will take money and expertise to adopt those practices. So the Department of Agriculture, working in partnership with a variety of other folks, including great universities like this one, will basically provide the resources to allow you to embrace climate smart practices and then work with markets that are ready, willing, and able to pay for those climate-smart commodities. Why? Because their customers are asking for it. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Brazil's crop supply agency, CONAB, says Brazil's farmers will produce a record 152.9 million metric tons of soybeans this season, but they kept the soybean export forecast steady at 93.9 million tons. The second crop corn forecast was reduced slightly due to late planting following a slow ho soybean harvest pace. Konab expects re second uh, record second corn crop production at 94.9 million tons, down from the January estimate at 96 million. Corn exports were raised 2 million tons from the January estimate to 37 million tons. Brazilian ag consultant Corey Melby says the Konab numbers were about as expected. The concern is with the lateness of getting that second crop planted. As of last Friday, I think it was 16% of uh, Mato Grosso second crop corn was planted. That's way behind the historical average. Uh, they need to get, you know, 70, 80% of that second crop corn planted by February 26th, thereabouts. After that, yield decline occurs, or they, they start cutting back on population and, and inputs. So, um, uh, that's a potentially developing story as we get to March. 
In an interview with the Red River Farm Network, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said the transition to electric vehicles will not happen overnight. We asked what this transition means for renewable fuels like ethanol and renewable biodiesel. You are going to see you know, things like diesel and ethanol uh, probably being more of the mix for uh, heavy-duty vehicles, aviation, shipping, and other uses. Uh, over time, less part of light-duty vehicles like the cars we drive around. And, and I want to emphasize that you know, rural Americans are among those who have the most to benefit from this EV transition. And the reason I say that is that uh, uh, it's simple. The, the, the more you drive, the longer distances you cover, uh, the, the more you're spending on gas and diesel that you could save because it, while it is not free to charge a vehicle, it is almost always cheaper than it is to fill it up on gas or diesel. The Buttigieg interview can be found on the Red River Farm Network website. Checking markets, we're down a fraction for Minneapolis wheat for that March contract, 925 and a half down three quarters. Chicago wheat for March, three and a half higher, and hard red winter wheat March down two and a quarter. It's a mix to go for corn, March a quarter penny higher, new crop down a quarter cent. March soybeans, eight and a quarter higher at 1528, new crop soybeans, one and three quarter cents higher. As we check in on the farm calendar, the best of the best in wheat and soybean research today moves to Moorhead at the Courtyard by Marriott. Uh, they start with a welcome at 820 this morning. Farm Credit Services of Mandan has a uh, producer education seminar today. Dr. Brian, uh, Brian Parman, NDSU economist, speaking at uh, Washburn. That starts at 11 o'clock this morning. Coming up tomorrow, there is a beef cattle update at Aneta, North Dakota. Uh, that will start at 12 noon. And keep in mind, it is the Northern Corn and Soybean Expo next week, Valentine's Day, Tuesday. Uh, everything starts at 7 in the morning. Have yourself a great Thursday. This is the Red River Farm Network.